You are listening to the Two Sorry Excuses podcast. And for that, I apologize. Hey, Liv. You know, even Amy Winehouse went to rehab one time. <laughs> I mean, she did it for her father. She did it for her father. Michael, Michael would, should, he would, I don't even think he'd go to rehab. It's a, he should he should be in rehab. That's one one guy who should should be in rehab. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Liv. <laughs> yeah, Mr. Cream. You want you want some cheesecake? Uh, no, 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 no. Thank you, Mr. Cream. I'm already full. <laughs> hey, Betty. Let's get Liv some cheesecake. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. Uh, and thanks for downloading the two. Sorry, Excuses Podcast, recording live via via the internet. I'm your old pal Sanders. I'm your good buddy Liv. If I remember correctly, it was always addressed, sorry, it was always addressed with uh, no thank you, yet it was still sending you cheesecake anyway. <laughs> it always came. You always got the cheesecake. There was no... Whether you wanted no it or not. Nothing. No, it was right there. It was right there. Poor Betty. Yeah. Poor Betty, she's always slicing up cheesecake. She always had to have cheesecake on, uh, you know, yeah, on, on the ready. Cheesecake on the ice. Always, yeah. uh, <laughs> cheesecake always, uh, <laughs> carving it up. Yeah. Carving it up. Have cheesecake on um, travel. <laughs> if you are keeping score at home, am I your old pal Sanders? I'm your old pal Sanders. I'm that's, your good buddy, true. Liv. If you are keeping score at home, this is episode <laughs> 147. Uh, post eleven oh six day edition. Happy uh, belated eleven oh six day, buddy. Yeah, happy belated, man. We uh, got um, got a couple things to cover, um, but before we get into it, I got a little uh, we got a little business to take care of you. You know one of the interesting things about eleven oh six this year, though. What's that? Eleven plus six equals seventeen, man. On the seven in the year two thousand seventeen. Ah, oh, that's great. Yeah, yeah. That's um sorry, just came to my head when, just now. What are, what's when the numbers go frontwards and backwards? Palindromes. Palindrome. I mean, it's not a palindrome, but it is uh cool that 11 plus 6 equals 17. It's another type of phenomenon. Yeah, I don't know. I'm sure we could ask my brother uh Chris, but it'd probably be followed up with a 3-hour conversation about numerology lecture that I don't really <laughs> care to listen to (laughs) (laughs) all right what about your housekeeping uh i got a uh gonna reach into the mailbag oh the mailbag the The mailbag uh, a little a little uh mailbag music paul (laughs) (laughs) that would be great i wish we had like a listener that would whip up some mailbag mailbag jingle you know Yep. Then we could uh we could just put it in. Uh hopefully it'll be Fredo, man. It'll have a real Latin flair. Little uh little letter from time to time. We like to interact with our listeners who are gracious enough to give us some written feedback in this one. Uh dear two sorry excuses first, I just want to say I'm a fan of the show. You guys bring middle aged malaise to a whole new level. <laughs> and while normally I would hesitate to correct you given your fragile personalities, I had to write to make sure that you don't lead your listeners down a dark road. While my personal and professional resume includes a National Merit Scholarship and Ivy League education and numerous professional accommodations both here and abroad, I only consider myself an expert in two areas, the scientific process of validation and the grilling of Reuben sandwiches. So imagine my dismay when you proffered that, the man- that mayonnaise was an acceptable substitute for butter when attempting to skillet cook a grilled cheese sandwich, which would be akin to entering a cold, clean room without a bouffant cap. <laughs> but don't be discouraged you guys are only 40 you have another 20 years before you figure it all out keep up the great work big phil yeah i knew it was your dad when i heard that ivy league education <laughs> <laughs> he is he's smart he's a smart guy he's the smartest guy i know but he only there's only two things that he takes extreme pride in one of those is is the grilling of reuben sandwiches uh which was a huge process it didn't come often but when it came it was like a whole afternoon's worth of preparation and and it culminated in you know about six or eight of these sandwiches flying around the kitchen then that must Um, kill him because i just saw the commercial last night 
the Hellman's commercial where they promote that, you know, of using Hellman's in lieu of butter for your grilled cheese. Yeah. I just saw it run last night, so I know it's got to be run up in New Jersey. You know, it's been running for a while, so I'm sure that must really kill your dad every time it comes on. Yeah, and 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 maybe it's true. Maybe from a from a technical standpoint, uh, it's an acceptable substitute. But in the when it comes to the art of creating grilled cuisine, I think that's a uh, that's a little bit of a faux pas. So I think we'll uh, we'll cut the difference right down the middle on that one. I'm 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 I'm, I'm still a butter guy. Yeah, as I'm Bill still Parcells. Uh, from a commercial that they used, to, what was that network that used to exist back? It was like a forerunner to MSG or something, maybe. But they used to have it on the cable network here, you know, when I was like in high school. And it was a show Bill Parcells had with I think Mike Francesa. Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they and they used yeah. to show it. There was a commercial they'd always promote for it. And at the time, because I'd never even heard the expression before, my brother and I, we didn't know exactly what he was saying because. Bill Parcells, it was just a clip of him obviously disagreeing with Mike Francesa, and, and it all ran together at once, so we couldn't understand exactly what he was saying, but he was saying, teach his own. <laughs> uh, right, and those two, those two definitely um, do not have the art of enunciation yeah. in their toolbox. Yep. It was between uh, his show... like, Giants. It was between his time with the Giants and then heading to the Jets. It was in between those years. Yeah, yeah. I think it was called Our like Pats, uh, Patriots. I guess Mike, it must have been Miked up or Mike's on. Yeah, and they were like in a basically like a dark studio, a black studio with two chairs facing each other yeah. or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and it was like a wrap up show, right? <laughs> it was something like they would just discuss sports stuff. Yeah, whatever it was, you know, it was like, you know. Two bombastic dudes friggin' discussing shit. Obviously, there's going to be discord if it's Francesa and Bill Parcells. Yeah. Right, right. But I used to love watching that show because, you know, that's that was like when cable was first starting to expand channels. And it was like, oh, we have 60 channels now, and we got these new, weird New York, New Jersey area sports networks. Yeah. <laughs> 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 so, I mean, it was all geared specifically to that market, too. Like, everything. The whole style and everything, you know? Um, yeah, I remember that. They used to and they used to have, I don't know, they must have been local commercials, but they would have these, like, restaurant commercials, and it would show them eating at the, yeah, uh, you know, at the restaurant. Um, and they were really, it was really, like, just a step above cable access at that point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was very, like, it, the the budget. The production budget was like nothing because it was like that's what it was like when whenever you see a show and there's no budget, they're always like, in a it's either a white studio space or a black studio space or nothing, no, no background, just like as if they're in an abyss. You know? Yeah. Like they can't even afford a green screen or <laughs> yeah. monitors or anything like that. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you, um, there was another show that ran on one of those networks, too. And you might have seen this, but it came from Chicago. And it was Rick Tellender was the young guy. And it was him with all these old Chicago journalists. It was the precursor to sports reporters. Well, sports reporters was on at the same time. You know? I think they were the sports writers on TV or something, it was called. Something like that. Yeah, they used those guys um, because it was a public access show. I've heard Tony Kornheiser talk about this. It was a public access show in Chicago that the creators of Sports Reporter said, "Hey, you know what? Yeah, that they were inspired by." We can do that. It. Yeah, yeah. I actually read a no- thing. My brother sent me a a link a couple of uh, a few months back. It was a link to a whole story about that show. You know, these old and about all the old dudes. It was Rick Tellender who was a writer, I think, for SI at the time. You know, he was the young guy on it. And occasionally yep. they'd bring in old journalists, like old sports writers from other cities if they were in town. Because I remember once this guy who was a legend in New Orleans who died last year, Peter Finney, he was on the round table because he was all those guys' generations. You know, the old school yeah. guys who were all smoking cigars. You know, your classic, you know, when you think about, not now, 
You know, but like the the heyday of like great sports journalism. Yeah, sure. Burt Sugar. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, the Burt Sugar type of dudes. But that, and that's what I was talking about. Like the guys that they got, it was like, that's what they wanted. Those guys that were like dripping in it, you know, like the the quintessential, the guys that spent their whole life in bars just talking about sports, you know, and they weren't doing it for the money or anything. They were just doing it because they loved sports. Uh, Who's the there's the little old guy that was the moderator. You yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was a great show. Yeah. Are there any are there any like classic sports reporters anymore? I mean, I know they're still all drunks, you know. Cuz sports reporters are notorious drunks. Journalists in general are kind of notorious drunks, you know. I feel like all those guys have just become television personalities, you know? Yeah. Talking heads and pundits. Um, yeah, I mean, who, there's a lot oh. of... Dick, like, Pete Thamel, like, he he's not a smoker or anything, but he loves to drink, but it's because... It's because the lifestyle, you know? Because they're always on the road, those guys. You know, it's like is a he, little community. He, does he do... Uh, it's, wait, he doesn't work for SI anymore, He works for he? Yahoo now. Okay, so maybe like that's the thing. Maybe they're all, Yahoo, they're all Dan online. Wetzel. 40. Yeah, 40, yeah, Wetzel, okay. and, um, and Pete all went to Yahoo this year. Because I, I, I get Sports Illustrated, um, and there's five articles in it. Yeah, it's nothing. That's it. Yeah, they got rid of most of their people. And, um, yeah, have you heard of the new one, Athlet- The Athletic? It's a website and it actually charges access and uh, for access, but I think the subscriptions work out to maybe like at most six dollars a month, and they're always running uh, discounts. But I haven't bought it yet. But that's what they've been doing. They've been taking all like Seth Davis is now with them. That guy Ken Palm that does the uh, RPI oh, yeah. for basketball. All these major uh, Seth Davis was at SI for, forever, you know. Yeah, and there's way does more Pete, guys you would have heard of. They're all there now, you know. Does Pete do like feature reporting, or he does, does, I mean, does he, he does just do? He does what he's been basically been doing. Uh you know, even when he's at New York Times, focuses on college sports, primarily basketball and football. You know, yeah. Okay. Every now and then he'll do an odd lacrosse story. I don't know if he still does that, but he used to do it with New York Times. I think you know. But, um, I mean, I follow him on Twitter, so occasionally I, uh, you know, I'll read some of his stuff because, you know, he'll link it in there. And um, he was on the radio down here a few weeks ago with two of the local sports writers for the paper here that have a radio show now down here, you know. And so I listened to him for a little bit on there. But, like, even he, you know, you see him for years, he's been occasionally gone on those shows, you know, where like occasionally he'd be like an OTL, you know, as a remote. Oh, and we got Pete Thamel to talk about it, you know? Funny thing is if you Google Pete Thamel in Kentucky, you'll see a lot of scorn thrown his way. Kentucky fans don't like him. You know? Why he shits on Kentucky? Big, yeah, because they think he, you know, because cause they're Kentucky, yes. So, like, why are yeah. you coming after Kentucky, you know? Um because I guess, you know, he doesn't always have the greatest things to say about Calipari because he calls it like he sees it or whatever, you know, because so they think he's unfairly attacking Kentucky all the time, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, what's he like on, on – uh, I've never heard him, you know, do a do a remote or, you know, do a, a guest spot on something. Uh, is he a good guest? Because he's a good guy, right? Yeah, he's, he's a good he's dude. Kind of, he's, he's a good dude. He's the kind of guy you could have a couple beers with, right? Yeah, and I, I've I've had many beers with him in my lifetime, you know, and most of it's post-college, you know? Um, yeah, because he comes down there all the time. Yeah, because there's all kinds of reasons to come down here when you're in college sports, yeah. I mean, I, haven't se- I think last year might have been the last time I saw him, but, um, you know, he obviously with LSU being here, he, and he had a really good relationship with Les Miles. So he's, I know he did a story about Les just recently, you know. Um, so he used to be down here a lot for that. In fact, he was on the radio talking about the Orgeron situation, the LSU, current LSU coach. Uh, I think that must have been the week after the Troy game when they lost to, to Troy the week after they played us. Um, 
So, yeah, I mean, he knows what he's talking about, obviously, you know, like, because you can't go in there and, and and that's what his life is, you know, it's his life, <laughs> you know, <Yeah. laughs> uh, which is, I mean, I know it's like, you got to be good and you got to be on it, but I guess it's good for it, something to be something that's actually legitimately interesting, you know, like, hey, man, you got to know everything about sports, but it's a pain ass because you always got to be, um, you know, you got to be, uh fostering relationships, you know, and stuff with people so you can, uh, you got to keep them nurtured and stuff so that they'll talk to you, you know? Right, 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 right. Yesterday, a friend of mine, a uh, guy who lived on my floor freshman year of college, I was friends with back then, then, you know, that's probably maybe after sophomore year, he lived with another buddy of mine, but then we all kind of fell off, you know? Um he got in touch with me because now he's in media relations for the uh, for TIAA, which used to be TIAA CREF, but now it's just TIAA. Oh, yeah. They broke off from CREF or whatever. And okay. so I guess the uh, CEO was going to give some speech over at Tulane's business school. And he's he's a he's a black guy, so he's well known for that because he's one of the few black CEOs of Fortune 100 company. But what his job is, he handles media relations for them. You know, it's supposed to be like the whole C-suite or whatever, but he primarily handles it for the CEO himself. And we were at lunch, and that's what he's talking about. Just, you know, uh, he's like, yeah, I got to get there a little early, talk to the, the newspaper. I was like, oh, newspaper? And he's like, the student paper. He's like, man, I couldn't get anybody to come to this, you know? <laughs> I was like, oh, the hullabaloo, the Tulane paper. I was like, he's like, call WWL, call this. I was like, hey, man, you should have gotten in touch with me. I got some connections. I would have... Friggin', you know, because I have a guy I grew up with as one of the producers for local station. I was like, you got to understand, the world is a small town, man. You should have gotten in touch with me. <laughs> yeah, no joke. That's, uh, I would not consider that a win. Yeah. Um, that you come into town and the only press you can get is this Tulane school paper. Yeah. I imagine we have an equal opportunity to be featured from the Tulane paper. Yeah, no kidding. Than I mean, this guy. Yeah, he uh, and I, I was like, man, you should call Lee Zurich. He's the he didn't know who Lee Zurich was. I was like, you went to Syracuse. He's anchor of one of the local stations. <laughs> I, I didn't even think of that. I didn't uh, even think of that. Yeah. Shame on me. And it's funny. Like I, I went rifling through all these old pictures that were in boxes that are literally twenty three year old pictures now, and I pulled a bunch out, and I thought I had doubles of all of them. And there was this one great picture where, because he was like. Super like Mr. Republican Alex P. Keaton kid, you know, in college. He's still that way. And, um, you know, like he was always like in a suit, you know. And one of the pictures I found, I thought I had doubles of all of them. So I pulled out these pictures to show him. And I was like, oh, you can keep all those. And one's me like in a ratty T-shirt. And he's like in his blazer and khakis or something. He's like, yeah, that's when I came back from CPAC. <laughs> You know, the conservative conference they have every year? Uh, okay. It's right. a famous conservative conference, CPAC conference. And, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, and then this morning, because uh, last night he put up, a, we took a picture of me and him, and he put it on Facebook, and he's in a suit, and I'm out there, I'm in a, just a flannel, like a checkered shirt or whatever. And I was like, oh, and he's like, oh, why doesn't he have gray hair talking about me? I was like, oh, we should juxtapose that with the the picture from you and your Alex P. Keaton days. And he's like, yeah, well, you put it up. So this, so this morning, last night I go digging in the photos, and then I pull out every photo, and then this morning I realize, I was like, wait, I, because I'm looking through all these other photos at this point. I'm like, oh, no, I didn't get the one that I really wanted. You know, so I go looking again. I was like, oh, God, I didn't have a double. That's the one photo I didn't have a double of. So uh, yeah, so I texted him this morning, knowing he was in Philadelphia, because he told me they got to go to Philadelphia right away. Like, they took a jet to Philly last night, you know? And yeah. um, I was like, hey, man, it's going to be on you, so wherever you get back, because he lives in Charlotte now, because I guess that's where TIA is uh, headquartered. I was like, whenever okay. you get back to Charlotte, you got to scan that, because apparently that's the only picture, man. And scan it and send it to me. Other than that, uh, I hope you're having a good time in Philly. He's like... Well, this is, he responds, he's like, this is how my time in Philly's gone. And he sends me a link from New York Times. And thing is, he doesn't have an iPhone. So I don't know if you have this issue. When you have an iPhone and people are 
texting you from an Android, if it's a really long text, it gets broken up, you know? Yes. So yes, it happens yes, yes. with like these long web addresses. Um, so the first part I see is New York Times. And then after I just see in the rest of the address bar, T business T slash T I A A slash subpoena. And I, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, well, you know, it's broken up, but all I see in the address is that's New York Times. It says T I A in subpoena. So I know shit must be gone down. He's like, and he responds, he's like, yeah, you really earned that, that lawyer education. I was like, yep, it's uh, finally paying off. <laughs> That's great. So I'm sure the shit was hitting the fan this morning since he's with the CEO, you know? Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a tough gig when something like that goes down. Oh, uh, yeah, it had to be a firestorm today, you know? You know, just as much as the, the firestorm that went when it got out of uh, like 30 minutes later, the New York Times is going to drop that Louis C.K. sexual assault story. Oh, what's that? Oh, these all these comedians coming out saying about him jerking off in front of him and stuff and all this inappropriate shit he did as far back as like 2002 and stuff. You can go, go read the whole story. It's just, um, you know, these all these things are never going to end, you know? So, yeah. Yeah, you can read. He was supposed uh, to do a premiere tonight in, for, of his new movie, I Love You, Baby Girl, or something like that, or I Love You, Daddy, or whatever it is. Um, and then he was going to be on The Late Show with Stephen Colbert. Well, the premiere was canceled. His uh, his his appearance on Stephen Colbert was canceled. You know, it's they're in, like, full-on panic mode now, you know? Yeah, jeez. Um, are these, are these like famous people? No, or it's they... not any famous people, they're, but they're comedians, you know? I mean, maybe if you were really into comedy, you might know some of them, but it's not, um, really famous people, but it, all of it happened, but it, it's, it's fucked up. Apparently, like, what he really likes to do is jerk off in front of women. <laughs> and the funny thing is, when I was first reading it, I was thinking about you know, and it gets into that in the story. It's a long New York Times story, you know. Um, yeah. It gets into that later on because when I first saw reading, I was thinking about how often on Louis C.K.'s stand-up routines he does the jerking off type of thing. And it talks about how he talks about jerking off and stuff. <laughs> Masturbation in his his uh, his routine, you know. Yeah. Yeah, so, uh, you know, it's... I don't know, man. I don't know. So, but um, what I mean, what's going to happen is eventually it's just going to keep going down the line, keep going down the line, and eventually they're going to get to somebody that everybody's going to go. Eh, we don't care. Yeah, we don't care about that guy. It's not a big. It's not sensational enough. And no, then not carrot top. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. And uh, maybe it sheds light on you know an underlying problem and then that problem gets fixed but you're talking about an industry that that this stuff has kind of been going on you know for a hundred years yeah i know i mean it's hollywood i mean it's freaking entertainment yeah it's people in power that's what it is you know it's like anything you know like that shit goes on everywhere in every industry it's not proper but it's just unfortunately it's how the world freaking works yeah, and you know it's sensational. It's consumable, and there's a ton of those celebrities that people adore. Therefore, there's a ton of people who want to see those kind of guys fall. Yeah, and uh, listen, maybe they deserve to fall. I'm not saying that they don't, or that you know, I'm not going to sweep it under the rug. Fifties. Yeah. I mean, Harvey Weinstein seems like he deserves the to fall because he's a real scumbag. Yeah, you yeah, know, and, like and I listen, sent Brian, I sent Jacob. The link to that story today, and I, the I just with the link, the first thing I sent was, you know, uh, first they came for the Jewish producers, and I did not speak out because I'm not a fan <laughs> of Jewish producers. Dot dot dot. The link to the story. <laughs> right, right. 
Listen, Roman Polanski <laughs> still makes movies. Well, that's all you have to know about Hollywood. That's what's fucked up is they love Roman Polanski. Like Meryl Streep, who came out against Harvey Weinstein or whatever, you know, they were all praising Roman Polanski when he was given that Oscar a few years back. Yeah. You know, listen, and it's, it's on record. Like, there's no dispute that he fucked a teenager, not like a 17 year old either, like a fucking right. early teen. <laughs> yeah. It's Hollywood, and everybody um, will pay their dues. And the way you pay your dues in Hollywood is you don't get the paycheck anymore. And Kevin Spacey, in five or six years, is going to do some type of independent film, and he's going to have a mea culpa, and he'll be back in the good graces of everybody, and they're just going to keep moving on. Yep. If you want to talk about something better... Than that. Yeah, I would love to. A couple of weeks ago, I came across just kind of randomly because it was linked to it, another YouTube video I was watching. Now it automatically will play a ne- the next video, whatever's, you know, when you look at a YouTube video. So I was looking at something and it just automatically played this guy named Shane Torres from a stand up set on Conan O'Brien. And I had never even heard of this comedian, although I might have seen him. I'm trying to think. I don't know. I went to a couple of these live tapings of comedy show, these showcases down here at one of the little theaters for Comedy Central. He might have been at one of the ones I went to, but it was one of those things where every guy gets up there and does like 10 or 15 minutes of material, like three or four guys, and they make like one of those little half-hour shows for Comedy Central, you know? Yeah. Um, but his name's Shane Torres, and he's... He's got this whole bit uh, about Guy Fieri. And basically the premise is, like he starts out, he's like, let me ask you a question. What the fuck did Guy Fieri do that everybody hates him so much? You know, he's like, all this guy did was follow his dreams and everybody shits upon him. (laughs) And I thought about it again because... um, you can see the Conan video, or you can, if you Google Shane Torres, Guy Fieri, uh, it'll come up with the Conan video, and there's also a link uh, you'll see from, uh, yeah, I guess it's Vulture, that's the second link on Google, and you do it, Guy Fieri, Shane Torres, where it's the clip from his album of him doing it in stand-up. Um, one of those, you know, because it's not completely the same. There's slight variations within or additions and subtractions. And I think it's the code where at the end he says something about it. And he's like, and, and quit making fun of Carrot Top. He's a really nice guy. I met him. <laughs> and that's what made me think of it again because I thought of Carrot Top when I said about the person no one will care about if, if they find out he was harassing somebody. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Which... Which I mean, I have to, I have to believe that that somewhere down the line it's going to be Carrot Top. <laughs> <laughs> oh Lord, it reminds me. Um, uh, all this kind of crap reminds me. You ever see the movie Where the Truth Lies? And it's like, uh, who's that guy? Adam Egan. Uh, he, the director, I think he's Canadian, and spelled A T O M. Is his first name Ego, and I think I think it's a book written by Rupert Holmes. I think that's the one that's based on the, oh, the Pina Colada guy, and yeah, Kevin Bacon and Colin. I think it's Kevin Bacon and Colin Firth are a comedy team. It's like in the '60s, and it's years later where they're trying to find out what happened to this young girl, and they basically like, you know, you like. She was a, who came there like as some kind of student journalist or something like a college, you know, whatever. And they end up like double teaming her or something. You gotta see the whole movie. She ends up dead, you know, and it's you know the whole story about that, you know, retrospective what okay. really happened, you know. Right. It's an, it's like probably like a fifteen year old movie at this point. Yeah. Uh, Two thousand five. Two thousand five. Okay, twelve years. Yeah. Karen O'Connor, a young journalist known for her celebrity profiles, is consumed with discovering the truth behind a long-buried incident that affected the lives and careers of showbiz team Vince Collins and Lanny Morris. Yeah. So what, a chick comes into town and uh, interviews these guys and 
Yeah, I think she's posing. She might have worked at the hotel or posing as like a room service. I saw it years ago. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, probably 2006, 2007, because I saw it on cable, you know, and like she's comes in there. But I think it was really under the, you know, because I think she might have been a student or something. She wants to get, but she's obsessed with him. Of course, you know, she's starstruck and she ends up having sex with him. But then. Some shit happens with her, you know. Drugs are gone around and shit, and the whole the the movie is that journalist uncovering what really fucking happened, you know. Years later, you know. I don't want to give it away because I'd like to think that you maybe will see it, you know. Yeah, no, I think uh, I, I could definitely see that. You know what? Uh, what movie um, caught my attention the other day, and I think it was because of maybe all this. Hollywood sexual harassment, sexual predator kind of thing. What's the movie where Marlon Brando has the sex scene with the chick? Oh, the one where he was accused of raping her now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I read that like a few months ago where she said that he actually had, she was very young at the time. What was that movie called? And and who was the direct? It was, it It was was one of these real renegade type of directors, you know? Oh, let's see. Last Tango in Paris. Yes, 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 yes. See, because of the Jimmy Buffett song, I, that this this movie's been whitewashed. You know, all I can think of is is the Jimmy Buffett song "Last Mango in Paris," and yeah. um, it the chick's name was uh, Maria Schneider. She's no longer alive. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but she was a. I think she was a teenager. Yeah, she was really scarred by it all. Yeah. I mean, that was the article I read, that she was, like, all effed up from it, you know? Like he, Yeah, she was young. She was, like, 19, 18 or 19. It might have been movie. through Jezebel might have had some, you know, that site that's affiliated, like, one of the Gawker sites, you know, did spin Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I think I saw it on there. Yeah, because you got did spin, I'll have the links to other interesting stories, and it was linked through on there, I think, you know? Whole thing about uh, let's see. Apparently, it's rated NC seventeen. Yeah, because it's like so night- it's real sex. Yeah, yeah, oh, that's crazy. Yeah, that's crazy. But um, he, but I think the story goes where she wasn't ready for it or something. Like she didn't expect it, and he started like she, she was raped, you know. And like they encouraged yeah, it because yeah, yeah, they yeah. they didn't tell her because they wanted it to be they wanted. Her reaction to be more natural. That's what was kind of fucked up about it. Fucking Brando. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> I'm sure he was a scumbag, you know? These guys who are, like, full of themselves, who are, like, people adore, you know? It's like, well, it's so easy to, you know, become the monster in that, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um... So, you want to get on something better than friggin' uh, great actors who rape people? <laughs> How about fat guys that go to Dunkin' Donuts? <laughs> is that you? That is me. Uh, okay. That's me. So, I've got this, I've got this problem. And, it, like, I don't... Well, uh, other than eat better and exercise... Um, I don't, I don't have an answer for it, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's the <laughs> but real it's issue. That's what took me so long years to start doing stuff. Cause you like, you'd like to think if it was just, let it be so easy, you know, but it's no, not that fucking easy. <laughs> the problem that I'm, I'm, I'm trying to grapple with now is that over the last couple of years, I've become a super emotional eater. I wasn't always uh, an emotional eater. I was a bad eater. Now you eat when, and, with your feelings? Yeah, stress. Yeah. And, you know, for the last five years, I've been nothing but fucking stressed. Yep. So it becomes that much more challenging. But I also want to enjoy things like normal people. Yeah. You know, like have a treat. People can have treats, you know? But when you're... It's almost like there's a dichotomy. Um, you know, I, I don't even look at the, you know, the the nine to five part 
of my eating habits are different than my, you know, my evening or morning eating habits. It's almost like I don't even recall, like, you know, when they split the left side and the right side of the brain, you can, you know, you can play a piano with your left hand while doing a chemistry experiment with your right. Yeah. The two parts of the brain. It's almost like that. But there's like certain like simple little pleasures like this time of year um you know i want a uh, you know a hot cider or a cider donut or it's halloween so i want a couple pieces of candy and i have by no means uh earned that you know it's you know sometimes yeah. you can reward yourself for for <clears throat> for good behavior but i don't know i've convinced myself that i can that i deserve something or another so i was you deserve a break walking today. by i was walking by dunkin donuts and i was like you know what i'm gonna go and get a cup of coffee so i go in and i get a cup of coffee and on the uh on the the shelf in the back they have all the specialty halloween donuts <laughs> so like the jelly the jelly donut is the vampire donut and uh the white powder donut is the ghost donut but they have what they call the spider donut, which is a glazed donut with a, a munchkin, a donut hole, filling the hole in the donut. So it looks like a spider sitting on a like a like a bed, like a tuffet, you know. And they do uh, the icing, so it has the legs and the eyes. And for some reason, like I'm a 12 year old kid, I'm like, oh man. I got to get myself a spider donut. But <laughs> one, one, I've got that, that self-consciousness of a fat man who can't be seen ordering donuts at Dunkin' Donuts, you know? Yeah. That's like, I mean, I might as well just light up a cigarette and start jerking off outside. <laughs> <laughs> like you're Louis you know? CK, huh? <laughs> right. Every socially unacceptable behavior. It's, you know, smoking cigarettes, jerking off in public, and fat people eating donuts. Like, that. nobody has sympathy for any of those people. <laughs> yeah, I know. But I've decided that, like, I, I want one. And not only do I want one, I, I've convinced myself I deserve it for whatever reason. I didn't do anything particularly good that day. And not that my positive behavior should be rewarded with sugary sweet treats. But... Whatever. That's the. This is the. This is the. This is the position I find myself, and I decided that I. I'm, I want a donut, but as the guy's making my coffee, I've committed to buying the donut, but I can't just buy a donut because I'm a fat guy buying a donut. So I've convinced myself in the thirty or forty seconds it takes this guy to make the cup of coffee that while it is wholly and socially unacceptable for me to buy one spider donut it is perfectly acceptable for me to buy two spider donuts because obviously i'd be bringing them home to my kids yay so you're creating this whole ruse (laughs) you shouldn't even like at most maybe you should eat one of them but now you're definitely gonna eat two of them just to just so you can go under the guise that you're a father with children at home (laughs) yes I've convinced myself in the hopes that this kid making minimum wage at the Dunkin' Donuts in a beach town in the winter is not going to judge me for buying one Dunkin' Donut specialty treat during Halloween. <laughs> Meanwhile, he's sitting at home now. He's like, this fat guy came in today and totally, you know, he was totally acting like he wanted to buy donuts for his kids. I know he went home and ate them himself and probably cried in you the didn't corner. Even- <laughs> I didn't even. He didn't even have the picture of his kids on his on his iPhone screensaver. I could tell. So now what? I've never seen that guy with a kid in his life. He's always walking around this neighborhood. (laughs) So now what I've started to do is um, take pictures of the kids and and leave them on my screensaver just in case I find myself in a situation uh, where I need to order more donuts and. You know, somebody wants to call me on it. Maybe you can go rent a couple of children. <laughs> There's this place down the street called the Mercy House. It's where, like, um, you know, a lot of times the poor 
uh, families and and uh, maybe victims of of some type of domestic situation, or uh, you know they're poor. A lot of them are Spanish speakers, and um, they they kind of go there. It's a refuge, um, and you see oh, a bunch of kids. So that's that's where I go. I go to the Mercy House and go, hey, who wants free donuts? <laughs> um, you know the hardest thing about being unemployed is not eating yourself to death. Yeah. You know, that's the hardest that's the hardest time when you just sit around the house you don't have a whole lot to do, not just eating shit all day. Yeah. Yeah. Cuz it's so easy to just get up. That's why I try not to keep stuff in the house like that. Like last week I went over to Jacob's office and uh like, "Oh, if we knew you were coming, we would have brought you all this Halloween candy we have." And then I had to go back the next day and they got the big bag of Halloween candy for me there. You know, it's like <laughs> um I mean, I eat a few pieces of it a day, you know, because it's all fun size. But yeah. uh, after a few days, I put it in the cupboard because uh, I'm like in the pantry. Because it's like that's the only way I can prevent myself from eating it all at once is if it's behind the door where I forget that it's there. Yep, yeah, exactly. Because I had it out exactly. on the island, you know, in the kitchen in the bag. And it's like, oh, I walk by. I was like, I got to put this somewhere where I can't see it all the time. Where every time I pass it, I'm like... Oh, what's the matter? Just have uh, it's just fun size, you know. But then you pass by yeah. six or seven times and you ate twenty pieces. <laughs> yeah, I laid on the couch. I went. Uh, I was in Jackson um, today, and I was laying on the couch. My dad was out of town. I had dinner with my mom, and and you know, an early dinner, late lunch kind of deal. And I'm just kind of relaxed on the couch where there's a huge bowl of uh, of Hershey's nuggets. So they're not even the miniatures. They're not even kisses. They're the bigger, th- chunkier pieces of chocolate. Yeah. And, I mean, you would have thought they were grapes. <laughs> probably ate a dozen of them. Jeez. And that's my old habit. My old habit is bored eating. That's what I was a very bored eater. You know, I just wouldn't have anything to do. I had an oral fixation. I sucked my thumb for a long time, like way longer than a kid should suck his thumb for. Yeah. And I did that. I used to suck my finger for way longer than a kid should suck his finger for. And it wasn't until I finally kicked that habit. When I kicked that habit, I needed something else, you know? So then I started eating, uh, you know, started eating when I got bored. Um, and it's like to the point some days where the boredom isn't the primary issue anymore. It's the it's the stress. It's the emotional yeah. eating. But uh, sometimes I'm like, man, I just wish – I just kind of wish I was a drug addict. Mm-hmm. You know? Nothing serious. Yeah. Not like oxy or heroin or meth. Just like Coke. Something like something that. Something that made you skinny. <laughs> Something A that made me skinny, and B I could go into rehab, and people would be like, "Oh," yeah. and C it makes Sanders. you glamorous. Come on, man, he's got a problem. Yeah, you know, he's got a he's got a coke problem. Yeah, he's on coke. If you have a coke problem, I mean, you're glamorous. Especially this day. Yeah, and age, I mean, right? if it's meth or some shit, you're just trash. But if it's you totally you know, it's cocaine, it's like, man, he must have been doing all right to be all fucked up on coke. <laughs> yeah, and you got to be something special because, like, who does coke? Yeah, you know? it's like he he must have had a great it's, job. He must have been running with some fucking serious people. <laughs> right, and it's not even 1988 anymore. Know, you know, know. <laughs> it's like, oh man, what Miami Vice went up there thirty something years ago. What the hell are you still doing using coke? <laughs> If I could only get myself hooked on some cocaine so I could go to rehab and people would have some sympathy for me, then I could be like, while I'm in there, hey, doc, do me a favor. Listen, I'm not hooked on the coke. Trust me. I got that under control. But uh, can we do something about this eating thing while I'm in here? Yep. He's like, yeah, on the down low? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you want us to tell everybody you came in here for exhaustion? No, 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 no. Don't tell them that. They'll see right through that. Fat guy goes away for for exhaustion obviously he's getting treated for an eating disorder yep. tell him i'm on tell him i'm on coke <laughs> they'll think it's coca-cola though <laughs> once again they'll be like oh it's his obesity <laughs> it's like no coke heads that fat <laughs> um funny about that the other day I guess it was Glenn Fry's birthday earlier this week, and on the oldie station here, you know, when it's somebody's birthday, they'll play several of his songs throughout the morning, you know, the guy in the morning, Michael in the morning, and they played the Smuggler's Blues, 
you know, when they came back, he's like, yeah, Smuggler's Blues. He's like, that was played in episode 14 of Miami Vice. <laughs> that's that's probably my favorite and also the most cringeworthy part of the Eagles documentary is when Glenn Fry starts talking about himself blowing up in pop culture during that yeah time like when he, he was on miami vice about... and shit yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah it's probably last week jacob uh talked about that real briefly talking about the documentary and how that was the one thing about it you realize how big of assholes don henley and glenn fry are you know because i think they might have had maybe it was Joe Walsh or somebody might have been a Howard Stern or something he was saying, and the whole idea that those guys act like Joe Walsh should be so grateful to them when they should be really grateful to Joe Walsh because he was such a more accomplished musician than them, you know? Right. Like, he, he enhanced the friggin' band, but those guys are such egomaniacs. Well, Glenn Fry was. Now he's just dead. But they would act like, you know, <laughs> oh, Joe Walsh be nothing without us, you know? Because right. those guys are right. so, and, and of course that's why the band's all fucked up because those two dudes were, you know, such big cocks. <laughs> oh, but I give them so much credit, man. They produced that documentary in which they looked like two assholes. Yeah, that, but that's and, that's when you know you're <laughs> fucking, you know, yeah. that you're not self-aware, you know, because they probably didn't yeah. even think that. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah. I like a little bit me. A little bit of me is jealous. Yeah. You know that they that they they just went through life like that and didn't even question their actions or their approach to to life and dealing with other people. Oh, those guys are just such money grubbing assholes, you know. <laughs> like the whole thing is like before it was even before it was common to charge ridiculous prices for these tours even by older acts. I remember the first time they went on tour after so many years was the health freezes over and they were charging obscene amounts just to get in the show because they knew they could, you know? Right. They were, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, that's what it was. Uh, they, That's how I came up with uh, where Jacob was talking about. Something, there was somebody that was on Howard Stern who was talking about how generous of a guy David Geffen was or something, you know? Okay. And, and then he was talking about the Spielberg documentary. Spielberg's talking all this glowing shit about David Geffen. But you watch the Eagles documentary, and they just start shredding Geffen like he's the fucking worst person in the world. <laughs> and it's like right, all these other people say they're all right. It's like with those guys, it's like it's probably the people that say they're all right. They have no reason to say he's all right. Probably are the real truthful ones, whereas the fucking... <laughs> Asshole, the the Machiavellian fucking super greedy assholes. Probably they're probably just the assholes. <laughs> right, right. Because uh, I wish I could remember who it was, but it was somebody who's, I guess, because uh, Jacob's a serious subscriber, so he listens to Howard Stern all the time. Yeah, which I guess is really good to listen to because now it's just these interviews. It's not like the old Howard Stern anymore. Uh, not like like um, the goofy whack pack. Yeah, and stuff it's like not that. women uh, playing with themselves on on air and shit. Now it's like serious interviews with like celebrities and stuff, like where it's yeah. in depth. Where even back in the day when you have celebrities, he he blurt out and you know be like, oh, uh, so when's the last time you uh, you, you had a blowjob? You know, it would be like really <laughs> crude on top of it. You know, now if it comes out. Yeah. He'll talk about it, you know, but it's not like the focus, I guess. But I'm just not going to buy a serious uh, satellite <laughs> subscription for that, you know, because I'm not in my car long yeah. enough to make it worth my while. Yeah, I um, Yeah, I was never a big Stern fan. I thought he was good. You know, I got it. I understood it. Yeah. Like why he was important and why people loved him. Um but it just wasn't my it, my cup of tea. It's it, it uh, probably the shock jock uh, genre goes close to the uh, the roast insult. Yeah, for your type distaste. of genre. Yeah, yeah, like they're both up there. I like smart, soft, and you know, cuddly. Yep. Yeah. Jordan's a huge Howard Stern guy. 
Okay. Yeah, and All there's right. sometimes there's couple- things I want to listen to, but you can only. But if you don't have a subscription, you just can't listen to it. And it's like I'm just not doing the subscription. Big deal. I just won't listen to this friggin' hour and a half long interview with David Spade that I'm kind of curious about or whatever. <laughs> Yeah, I'll tell you what, he's he's probably a guy, I don't know how much longer his contract runs for, and he probably, you know, he, he makes a ton, but if he were just to do a long-form interview uh, and put it up for sale, you know, you can you get a subscription to his, do a podcast, he'd do a subscription, you pay nine ninety nine a month or whatever it is, um, or you can pay 99 cents for a particular episode. Yeah. You know? So, you, you, you don't like... You know, generally, you don't like the quality of guest he gets on, but you see the David Spade one. Well, you pop down ninety nine cents to, to yeah. listen to a you know forty five hour long uh, interview. I bet you make a killing. Yeah. I bet the two sorry excuses. Yep, could make a killing following that. Well, model. that's that's why I can't wait for those David Letterman long form interviews to come out on Netflix. You know, because I already have Netflix. So, oh, what's the um, what what's the Oh, he announced a couple of months ago that he was going to do maybe it might be up to 14 episodes. Maybe it's more. Maybe it's less. I think it's definitely not more than 14. He entered a deal with Netflix and he's going to do like long form interviews with people, you know, because when when I it was I guess that was the end of July when Norm released his new podcast, you know, on YouTube and the first big one that he had from this year was um, David Letterman in there. Letterman's talking about, oh, yeah, that's what he would really like to do more of, you know, is these where he could actually sit and talk to these people for a lot longer than, like, the five to ten minutes that you get on a late-night talk show. And then it was, like, the next week, you know. It was Letterman's going to sign a deal with Netflix. He's going to do about, you know, how many ever long-form interview things, which will probably all be, like, an hour long with him and, you know, probably, I'm sure Bill Murray will be one of them, definitely. S- Seinfeld. Yeah, Seinfeld, I'm sure. I wouldn't be surprised if it's Norm. But, um, and uh, who else could be on there? I mean, there's all kinds of people. But Tom Hanks, probably, somebody like that, you know? Yep. Yeah. Trying to think of the people that were, like, on his last um, episodes of Letterman, you know? And, of course, Bill Murray's yeah, been his first guest on was his first guest multiple times, you know, on multiple incarnations of Letterman shows, you know? Yeah. Steve Martin probably would be one, you know. People like that. And I'm sure there might be some more serious people because, you know, Letterman's into all kinds of, uh, you know, he's got all kinds of other concerns now that, you know, like he came through town here randomly, you know, it was like Buzz, it's like, Letterman's on the street because he was in town working with uh, Habitat for Humanity. He went out and worked on some houses and shit. He was there like on a goodwill visit, you know, last year. You know, yeah. Like he's an he's an he's one of the more interesting guys, you know, because he's like a uh, Carson, like those guys. They don't really let people know too much about them, you know. So it makes him more interesting. <laughs> so here's a couple here's a couple names. Uh, I don't know if they would make the cut. But these are some of his more popular guests. Richard Lewis. Yeah, I don't think he'd be on the first run. But George Miller. That's his buddy, right? That's the comedian, George Miller. Yeah, I think he died. Yeah. yeah. Um, Terry Garr, Robert Klein, Jack Hanna. I could see Robert Tony Klein because he's kind of like a, a dean now, you know? Yeah. Tony Randall, Marv Albert, Tom Brokaw. Brokaw, I could see. Yeah. Because that's kind of stuff um, he's interested in. Yeah, that's it. It's um, it's not the definitive. Yeah, we look at the Wikipedia page or something guests. for like most appearances. Yeah, it's a variety did an article. Letterman inside the numbers talks about how many guests there have been, yeah. how many he's been on it most uh, times and stuff. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Richard, uh, you know what I'd love to see. Is um, who's sweating to the oldies? Oh yeah, Richard Simmons. Richard Simmons. That would be interesting because Richard Simmons has been in hiding for like two years now. You know, it, that's exactly why. And you know, like peel away all the shtick and have him sit and have a have an actual conversation 
with Letterman, and obviously it's going to be funny. You know, Jordan, gonna, you know, Jordan's you know. high school. He's fellow alum with uh, Richard Simmons. Is he really? Yeah. yeah. Yep. Fellow That's... alum. Richard Simmons was a little fat guy down here, you know? Um, <laughs> what did he do? What did he do before he, he I'm not, hit the, I mean, you, you know, the workout circuit? I don't know. You can look all that up, but I don't really want to be Googling that on the air, though. <laughs> But I mean, he wasn't like a local. But I know he was like a fat guy when he was like in high school and stuff. You know, he had a mustache. I've seen the pictures of uh, when my mom used to own the this nursery school back in the '80s. A woman that worked for her there, she she was friends with him because she grew up next door to Richard Simmons, and she had pictures of her and Richard Simmons as little kids. I didn't realize that he was from New Orleans. Yeah, I, it might have been one of the precursor schools because the school Jordan went to his brother Martin, and it's a uh, combination of a school that was Coryezu and St. Aloysius. Those were the two boys' schools that merged to become Brother Martin, but it's all considered the same. You know, it's the same universe. You know, if somebody went to St. Aloysius and you got a Brother Martin, you're like, or or they went to Coryezu, you consider yourself the same universe of school you know okay all right yeah um yeah well he um he was nothing yeah. he he was nothing he moved to la in the 70s and he was just uh a mater d yeah i guess he's just a self-made dude that lost all his weight and started like being enthusiastic about it you know yeah good for him i know he makes fat women feel really good about themselves so that's nice no, you ever see him? Like that's what he's really good at. Like he, 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 he has great empathy. You know, I mean, like I, you know, say what you want about Richard Simmons, but like you know, for the people that friggin' he affects, it's truly genuine. I don't doubt his sincerity for a moment. You know, no, absolutely not. Yeah, and like I, he, I, you listen, see him you. with these very obese women. You know, life probably sucks for them, and the fact that there's somebody like Richard Simmons, I'll sit down and be like, hey, you can do it. You know, it's like, that's probably good because think of it. I mean, the cruel thing in this world is like people that work out and exercise regularly shit upon people who are really out of shape, you know, and it really discourages a lot of people from out of shape from actually trying to get in shape because they're so self-conscious about it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Which is why they have stuff like curves now and stuff, places that are, you know, friendly to that atmosphere because that is... Yeah. I mean, it, that was a deterrent for me for a while. Going to the gym, it's like you show up. You don't like when you when you first start going there. You don't know what the hell you're doing. You don't know where anything is. Like it's a very uncomfortable experience. Yeah, you don't know how the equipment works. Yeah, like you're not sure how the exercises where you're doing them right. You know, and and how much weight you're supposed to be doing. You know, and you feel like people are looking at you like, oh, that motherfucker's only picking up twenty pounds. <laughs> Right. Right. And then you realize no one's really paying attention to you after a while. No. And it's like, they fuck it, care. this is my routine. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> but it's hard to do it because it takes getting through. It took. It takes getting through that freaking block, you know, to do it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's like anything. It literally, it's like muscle memory. Yep. Um, the more you do it, the more you do it, the more it becomes routine. That's the hardest thing. You do anything for 21 days in a row, it becomes a habit. Yep. I have no interest in running on the street because I don't even think there's really that many great benefits to people that go running five miles a day. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it's it's more like a hobby, I guess, if that's what you're into, and that's fine. But uh, But that's something I would never really feel comfortable about doing anyway. You know, running along mm-hmm. the street in public. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> See, running's so big down here because there's so many places to do it. Yeah. Parks, boardwalks, you know. Oh, no, there's You're loads of just... people doing it. I just don't feel self-conscious about myself, you know. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's like, it's just like, oh, I probably look goofy when I'm running, you know? It's like, I know I've seen people and I was like, oh, this must be their first day ever running. You know, when you see like somebody who's like, <laughs> looks like they have never exercised. It's like, I guess everybody's got a first day sometime. First day. That's right. That's right. <laughs> but I remember like when I was up at Syracuse one summer, when I was, that was probably the summer of 98 when I was living. Yeah. Cause I'd moved to Comstock at that point when we left Madison Street. 
And and I used to go running down Comstock, down past the cemeteries and stuff. And I did it for a little bit, but it was always weird because it just... Yeah, and then when I lived in Boston, I'd go running through for a while. I tried running, you know, through Charlestown. And it's just like, I don't know. It's just, I don't know. I don't feel comfortable. I'd I feel more never... comfortable playing basketball while everybody was watching, you know, playing an actual sport, you know? Yeah, and I was never a runner. I took up running at Syracuse uh, my junior year. I'd lost a ton of weight. Um, and one, to be a runner in Syracuse, is ridiculous because it's always cold. Yeah, and it's very hilly. And and it's very hilly. Yes. And the um one of my motivations, other than just to get some exercise without having to go all the way down to Archibald Gym, um my run route was um strategically plotted to include the residences of a few chicks who I wanted to see me running. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Although it, was probably it actually, worked, it did work. Okay, because I was going to say it worked a couple times. Feeding your purpose at some point, you know. Um, it worked. It worked occasionally. That's good. It worked uh, at least two or three times. Um, so, what can I say? Yeah. What can I say? I was a, I was a mad runner. Um, what else you got? Anything? No, I have nothing, man. We've been gone for a bit now, so. Yes. But we surprisingly yeah, so, got right. in a nice bit of material. Um, well, then, on that note, uh, with apologies to Girk's brother. Yeah. We will see you guys next week. See you next week. All right. See you next week, Fredo. Buenas noches. <laughs> and work on that jingle for our mail run. <laughs> <laughs>